0: Welcome to ALFC's message of the week. Pastor Steve shares that healing of past parental woundedness is possible through Jesus. We are accepted, chosen, loved, redeemed, forgiven, never forsaken, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Turn with me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. um, I'm I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, I wanted to, you know... I want you to look at this. Let's just read, uh, and again, it's not up here. I don't have, you'll need to actually turn your devices on or open up your Bibles to look at this. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, it tells us, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Uh, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Now that should sound familiar, right? We talked about that last week, and we we touched on it. And I have been, I suppose, struggling with this passage because I felt God said something to me. And you you should know that, and I wanted to share this with you, that what God has spoken to me has actually, I've heard this before, and I have been... I think hesitant and, and not sure of God's release to get into this. And I don't know that I have a really good excuse because I've looked at this passage a number of times and I thought about, and I've never done this, but to talk about how it is that God heals father wounds and and what that might mean. Because, and I guess for me, I got to tell you this past month, I have had a number, when I say number, probably a half a dozen, six or more Specific conversations that are addressing some of the painful memories and remembrances and struggles of what happened in what I would call the father of origin uh, events, a uh, family of origin events, uh, the things that happen uh, with you know some of our growing up times, and you know we all have things. You know, growing up is an interesting experience, and I'm thankful for many of us. We have memory loss. Can you of that? You know, I just remember the good stuff, I don't remember the bad stuff, and and that tends to be the case, but unfortunately, sometimes we go through trauma, and it deeply impacts us and can affect us, and we have had some very naive experiences, and I've discovered that something like this today can be, for many of us, an amazing first step in healing, an amazing beginning, perhaps, of a journey that just brings absolute release But I also wanted to hit the other side of it too, because I want to talk about how you can prevent it. Because I was thinking as we look at this, I'm going to also talk about prevention. Because some of us are wondering, and, and the reason why I see this as vitally important is that I had this conversation the other day. And the woundedness wasn't a biological father or a stepdad, but it was a father figure. And so, uh, this time it wasn't a pastor, but that does happen, you know, the wounds that can happen with that. But uh, this was just uh, a significant individual in this person's life, and they had looked up to them and all that, and began to share the journey of some of the things that happened. Um, You know, I just, uh, I really believe what God can do. And here's what I've seen, is a lot of healing. I've seen a lot of deliverance. I have seen a lot of amazing things take place, so this um, passage just reminded me again. And so here I am. We're going to look at this today, and touch on it, um, and, and ask God to do a, a work of ministry here in our lives. Now, let me also hasten to say that although you know we're using, we're talking about dads, this also applies to moms too. I've had the same thing that. Uh, Uh, I've heard the same story. Um, I I like Hebrews. Let's listen. It says, we respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? For it's it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And what that passage tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 is that, you know, being a parent has got to be one of the most important jobs on the planet. And I think of all the things that we might do, being a parent is so absolutely critical. Because here's what I've learned. A good parent will raise a successful adult. And if we don't have those kinds of experiences, then our adulthood and life in front of us can be somewhat challenging. And again, not irreparable, not... I mean, I'll tell you, it is redeemable. Do you know that? I have nothing but good news and, and encouraging things to share. But I've discovered... and. When I say this, over the past you know several decades, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds, and I'm not just saying this, but you know I, I, there are so many that um, of individuals who have have walked through this. And, and here's the thing that I, I've heard a lot of, because I'll, I'll say something like, well, maybe we ought to talk about this or pray through this or something like that. And I've heard a lot of people say something like, I wrote some of the things down. Well, you know, I uh, I've never told anyone this, but. And so, and these are people sometimes in their 40s, 50s, 60s and up, they're sharing. And I say, well, what do you mean? Well, I can still hear his voice in my head. I can still hear my mom's statements to me. And and running deep in this is, again, an, is the hurt. And I'll say, well, why have you waited so long? And again, I hear a lot of good excuses. Well, I just have to get over it. I didn't think it would do any good to talk about it. I, I just... I just I've learned to live with it. Um, I'm, I'm managing fine. My life is great, except for well, maybe a couple things, you know. And, and what I see is that this tends to deeply injure a lot of our ability to have healthy relationships. You know, I I want us as a church to have really healthy relationships. I want to see us to do this really well. And sometimes the uh, the feelings of abandonment that have occurred the things that have happened. Sometimes, you know, I mean, think of divorce alone. I mean, that's huge. I'm from a divorce family. I know what it feels like. I, I still remember, and I've resolved this, uh, but I still remember my dad and mom. They divorced. My dad took off. And I didn't see him for over almost a year and a half. We didn't talk, no contact whatsoever. And I just thought, I mean, that, of course, I was a young guy at the time. I was going to college and all those kinds of things. But uh, that was a painful time. And, and the Lord really helped me through that and resolved it. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Of course he came back and we have not you know over the over the many years we have an amazing relationship. We had an amazing relationship before. So I had to get through the idea of he went through his own stuff. And here I and dads don't go through their own stuff. Can you say minute of that? You know moms don't. I mean they're they're all like superhuman and all those kinds of things, but all of a sudden you realize that that may not be so. I've talked to so many people who have been abused and who have struggled with uh all kinds of emotional and physical, and may I add, spiritual views. I just had a conversation with someone who was struggling and being raised by a very rigid, harsh uh, uh, family and a lot of stuff related to God. And, you know, listening to this individual talk about those things, you could, you could just hear and see the pain. And I said, so why are you still in church And what the person said to me was, well, I probably wouldn't be except for the love of God that I've really learned to understand is different than what I experienced in my home. But the journey has been a bit of a struggle (laughs) because that's exactly what can happen. Um, I, I just, I see this. It's such a very powerful thing that it affects us and can affect some of us for a lifetime. So I feel responsible as your pastor to, hey, let's talk about this for a second. Let's take a look at this um, and see if we can deal with some of the things that happen because wounds like this can be healed. Can can I say this to you? Be careful of your pride because some of the well, here's what I've discovered: that when you go through pain like this, sometimes one of the things that kind of gets in your way is pride. And it requires a tremendous amount of humility before God to come to this kind of thing. I, I, I've seen this so many times because um, for some of us, it's just, it's just really too hard. At least it feels that way. And for some of us, we want to say, I don't have a problem. Have you ever like, felt that? I don't have any problems. Can you say a that? I know that, I don't have any problems, right? I mean, I'm totally okay, and, and it's kind of like someone was joking with me, I don't want to go to the doctor, because if I go to the doctor, he's going to find something wrong, right? <laughs> That's truth, right? Okay. So I'm just trying. Don't go to the doctor, and you'll always be okay. Amen? <laughs> Some of you are putting your heads down because I've just spoke truth in your life, okay. You need to go see the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I feel the same way too sometimes. like I don't want to go have that test done because I just know it's not going to work out so well. <laughs> See, one of the reasons we struggle with our Heavenly Father is because the Scripture tells us in Hebrews that we understand and struggle with who God, our Heavenly Father, is because of our earthly Father. Good point. Yeah. And again, this is why there's so much importance that needs to be placed on the truth of this because... There are some of us, and I'm convinced even some of the theology we see today around us is a direct result of some of these injuries, and they're trying to compensate for what, it's like, how do I get around this? So I need to come up with something different to accommodate the injury that I have felt. And so the idea of God the Father needs to be somehow changed or adjusted, And so the result often is, you know, this kind of distortion that case. Because the reality of Scripture even tells us that our view of our Heavenly Father often is developed as a result of our earthly father. Are you with me so far? Yeah, okay. So I, I want to look at this not only from the point of view that, okay, there's an injury. And I want you to know that if you're sitting here and relating to this, it's relevant for you we're going to have an opportunity just, I believe, to have some prayer and healing. Uh, I believe that, and, and I want this to be for some of us. Let's start. Let's get this thing taken care of. Let's, you know, I, I want you to hear me. It can be fixed. I want you to hear me. This thing can be. God does absolute amazing things. Now, I don't know to what extent this has happened. I'm not suggesting, and please don't think, right now, today, you're walking out of here and it's all done. I really do believe, for most of us, this will be an amazing first step, and then we'll, we'll see what the journey has in front of us. But I mostly want to talk about the importance that we can address the positive, what we can learn from this, and look at what it might mean. Because here's the thing, all of us are spiritual parents in this room. We're trying to build this idea of a healthy church. We're trying to develop this, and we all have a, a responsibility to each other. And to recognize how important that is, that we can prevent wilderness from occurring even within the church, by how we understand the characteristics of spiritual parenting. And so whether, you know, you're, for all of us, male or female, and even even with age, I mean, even young all the way up to those who are the oldest here, we have a responsibility. And you need to understand, you are seen in this role. I had to deal with this a long time ago. I started having a lot of people. This was, you know, a little, little, little while ago. But I still remember talking with some of my mentors about, gee, people are seeing me more like a father than, you know, just like a contemporary. Because, you know, you kind of go through this transition because I was young once. Can you say i of that? <laughs> and so now there's this idea, just even the role of pastor, I understand that. And it was something, and, you know, it kind of, it, it would concern me because... If someone sees me that way, I want to do this really well because I recognize the responsibility that goes with it. I hope that you would see the same thing. That's why what you do, how you act, the way you live, the way you talk is powerful because there are people looking at you and just like what we just read, and you can imitate me. That's a very real thing and you can imitate me. You are being imitated. Remember, we are all being watched all the time. The kids watch us. uh, We watch each other. And it's so exciting to to realize that uh, we live in a fishbowl or an aquarium, and the world around us watches us. And so this becomes, I hope, that you would see a huge responsibility. And I love what the word says. Listen, it says... God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God, whose, holy, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, Psalm 68. That's our God. That is the Lord our God. It says in Hebrews, for God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son." And today I become your father. Now, do you see the the imagery here? I mean, throughout the word of God, the imagery of family, of a household, of son, father, all of these things of of who we are is so very powerful. God said, I will be his father. He'll be my son. And when he brought his firstborn son into the world, God said, let all God's angels worship him. Can you submit of that? Very powerful statement. You see, what we learn biblically is that a father has a responsibility for the spiritual well-being of his family. I think it's quite interesting the responsibility that's assigned and how very important that is. It's, when, you, when you grow up, in, in, like for example I did in a Jewish home, there are certain premises and understanding of the idea of father. Do you remember that originally? that uh, all of Israel was a priesthood and all of Israel was responsible for the spiritual well-being and, you know, the upbringing of, of, of the nation of really their assignment to even those around them. Well, what happened? Simple, right? They sort of messed up and they got into some bad stuff. And, and so then God said, fine, we're not going to let you be that, you know, of course they were frustrated from their captivity and, and on and on and on So it's a huge story. But we know that they kind of blew up, and then God said, great, we'll just have the Levitical tribe be the priesthood now, and all the rest of you, here's what we're going to do. So I'm I'm jumping through hundreds of you know years here. So here's what he said. Okay, you are no longer all going to be priests in that sense. I'm going to let the Levitical tribe, but here's what you're going to do, dads. You're still going to be responsible for the spirituality of your own family. I am not letting go of that for you. That's good. So when we go back, we're going to have this priesthood that will do the sacrifice and everything until Jesus comes. Can you the meaning of that? Amen. So that can change. And now, once again, we're still kind of, we're back to where, it, where God originally wanted it, and we are all called priests now, every one of us. All right. But here's the thing. God never said, even for a moment, that we can let go of our responsibility to those around us, not just our children, but to those around us. And that was part of one of the foundational teachings that you hear about. I heard about growing up in, in Judaism. I think it's very much an important part of who we are as believers in Jesus now, that we're responsible to each other and to, us, to be responsible spiritually to each other. I, want you to, I do want you to walk out of this place feeling responsible that how you live life and to the world around you is absolutely essential. And so as a result, and it, it's known when you read the, the, the writings, there's four specific, you'd be interested, there's the four specific responsibilities of dad. And I thought this was kind of interesting that, uh, according to the Jewish writings, number one, to have sons circumcised. So that's dad's responsibility. Thank you, dad. Uh, number two, to pass on their inheritance to their children and to have an inheritance. Number three, uh, to find their sons a wife, right? That's critical stuff. And then number uh, four, to teach them a trade. So to make sure that they would have work and a way to continue. So usually what would happen is they'd be brought into the, to the family trade. Um, it was always, ha- and it always has been throughout, that it's dad's job to provide for his family. Economically, right? To take care of their needs. Spiritually, matter of fact, it it continues all the way through because the Word of God even rebukes those of us who are not working. You know, it says if you want to read that for yourself in uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, it's a reminder that, you know, we all need to be working. That's an important part of what God has directed us to do. So there's this thing going on of a responsibility that we really all have. And so the Word of God is very clear. And that's why when those things aren't done well, the injuries can run very deep. So when you don't take care of your family spiritually and guide them, you're a leader, but you do it with love. If, if you are a provider, then you do provide in a way that helps meet the needs of your family, but not in such a way that you ignore your family. You know that sometimes you can like overdo that. There's an idea that you you are there to take care of your family emotionally. You're there to help them and and to provide some amazing stability and, and and the things which we're going to see in a moment. And on on it goes. And so there's something here that's so very important about what we need to do. So I want to share with you some of the things that I believe are the injury and then also some of the things that can prevent that injury. The first thing I wanted to talk about is that um, our Heavenly Father shapes us. You know, I, I love the imagery throughout the Word of God about how the Lord does this amazing shaping in our lives. I, I love Jeremiah, right? So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot uh, he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Can I not do with you... As this potter does. I I just, uh, I love the imagery of this idea that our Heavenly Father does a work of shaping us right now today, gets us ready for what might happen tomorrow. For, you know, we all have, every one of us has a destiny that God has laid out. And one of the ways that you and I can prevent this kind of woundedness is when it, when he talks about shaping, is to become involved with the people around you to become involved with your children and to have an active role in shaping and so you think about how how is it that we shape one another right it's by our conversation it's by our interaction it's by the things that we do together i mean we don't literally put them on a potter's wheel Although some of us, that would be a lot easier in raising our kids. You know, just stick them on the wheel and just kind of do some shaping. But we do shaping, and one of the major things we do is by that involvement. And here's where the wounding comes in, by the lack of involvement. I can't tell you how often I've heard the, the stories of, you know, my dad just was never there. He was always working, or he was always busy, or he was always drinking, or he was always doing other things, and I rarely ever saw him. You see, there's something powerful about our involvement with those around us. I think sometimes we can feel the same way in our community and, you know, the kinds of things where, you know, we work at, and and this is something important of being involved with one another. And so that's part of what it means to be a healthy family is that we do this together. And so we have a sense. And if you're not involved, then what are you? You're disengaged. And if you're disengaged, and you think about it, disengagement can be a very powerful wound. Because especially if, you're, if you're, you feel like you're disengaged from your family, what that means is and I find in the family system that we're pretty much left on our own. And now we're, we're out there struggling and life feels very chaotic. And guess what we don't have? guidance and direction and someone to talk to about should i or shouldn't i do this you know is this a good idea you know dad that i go ahead and move in this direction should i marry this person should i you know get involved in this program and and there's no opportunity to have that kind of discussion and now we're left alone to make our own decision here's what i love god says i'm never going to leave you alone like that I am willing and I will be involved, if you let me, in your life, any moment, any time, anywhere. All you got to do is open the Word of God, and, and here I am to talk to you. All you need to do is start praying, and here I am by the Spirit of God, ready to talk to you. God says, I will be actively involved with you from day one, and it will never stop. And God even makes a promise, crazy promise, I'll do this forever. That, that's exciting. Yeah. So I hope that you will show involvement and interest to those around you if we are parents, if there are those who see us in that, in that role, but to also recognize that is our Heavenly Father. He's involved and he's interested. I love that word, interested. The second thing that we can see here is that I love that our Heavenly Father listens You know, we can prevent wounding by active, empathetic listening. I said this before, I want to repeat it. Focusing in on understanding rather than being understood. There's something there about kind of the priority of what it means to know that someone's listening. I love this. Someone said this the other day. Thank you for listening to my heart. Not just words, but heart. Oh, the words were expressing that. And I thought... Oh, what a great compliment that, as we were having this conversation, I was hearing the heart. Isn't that about what, sometimes we just hear the words, and we don't always connect with the heart. I love the fact that God connects with our heart. God hears our hearts. He knows what's in our soul. He understands our needs. And you know, it's kind of crazy. That's one of the ways you can prevent wounding, by having the skill to actively listen. The skill to be and have empathy to what you're hearing. You know, empathetic listening is something everyone can do. And it's such an amazing gift. I was talking to someone the other day who was struggling with the ability to listen well. And the person asked me, well, how do you think I'm doing? I said, well, you're doing okay. But I can see the wheels turning while the conversation's going on. And you're thinking about what you want to say before the person has even stopped talking. And I got to tell you, it feels a little um, like maybe you're not listening. (laughs) (coughs) And the person said, well, how do you know? Well, it's your eyes and your body language I can see. You don't even realize it, but I can see the wheels turning there and how you're looking and how you're sitting. And I know that the minute the conversation stopped, you're ready to jump in on everything that you want to correct, (laughs) because you're thinking about that statement that was said in the beginning and you missed all the rest at the end. Does that ever happen to you? What a way to prevent woundedness with our kids. I mean, there's something about getting down to their level and getting eye to eye and just listening to your kids. I mean, I love listening to my granddaughter. She doesn't say one intelligible word. But she comes up to me and starts doing that kind of, you know, she, you can tell she wants to talk so badly. So she just starts, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's the gift of tongues. I'm convinced of that at this point. And so she's just talking away and she looks at me and I look at her and she's telling me stuff and I'm, go- I'm in agreement. I have no idea what I'm in agreement with. That could be dangerous, but whatever it is. And then she goes off and she figures, well, Grandpa said I can do it. So off she goes and pulls everything out of the drawers. I didn't realize she was saying, Grandpa, I'm going in the kitchen. I'm going to pull everything out of the drawers and spread them out over the entire house. <laughs> oh, that's great. Go ahead, dear. Yes, we love you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell from my body language that I'm affirming her. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm empathizing with her. <laughs> what an amazing gift we could give to each other that often we struggle with because we're so busy with all the other stuff going on in our head. It's hard sometimes to stop all that stuff in your head. And yet, I think that's one of the things that we can learn to do. You want to be a good parent, you need to sit there and really focus in on what your kids are saying. I remember growing up, my dad, he listened really well. And it was such a, an amazing be able to sit down. I, I remember growing up, I've shared the story before, but my dad and I would take, I mean, we lived in Southern California, so we'd go outside in the evenings, you know, pretty regularly. And uh, we would take walks, and I would talk and share life. And, you know, I don't recall my dad saying a whole lot except kind of nodding his head in agreement, you know, and just listening. And what a great gift that was to feel heard and listened to. Can I tell you something? When you pray, God listens. You're involved with a Lord and Savior who just didn't do the work of ministry, but he actually made a commitment to you. I will listen to every word that you say. I will hear what's going on in your heart. And I will do it with amazing empathy. Matter of fact, it'll be perfect empathy. Can you say that? Because God even knows... Beyond the words, because he sees our heart, right? Talk about connecting with our heart. What an amazing gift. You see, it says, can you go back there for a second, please? Look, it says there, and he was heard. That's why I put that passage there, because it says, Jesus offered prayers and petitions to his heavenly father, loud cries and tears, the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Can you submit to that? I don't know about you, but I appreciate it when you hear me. You may not always agree with me, but it's great to know that you hear me. Now, we go on and we learn that it's uh, our Heavenly Father redeems us. We can prevent wounding by our support and willingness to walk through the tough times, providing grace, and I, I bet you thought I was going to say love. And I thought, someone's going to catch that. You know, I kind of grace and love go together. I threw in a different word, respect. I have discovered in working with human beings and relationships, you know, that, and, and this is true for both men and women. I've heard someone suggest this may not be necessarily the, the case, but I discovered something that really is very consistent. Everyone appreciates being respected and being treated with respect. In other words, with kindness, and being nice, and being polite. And the kinds of things that I think are absolutely mean. I I just, I so appreciate, and and sometimes how it is that when you're hitting a rough situation, one of the things we do, even though, and again, here's the hard part, to offer respect when you're not being given respect. Because here's what this takes, humility. Man, take it from someone who needed to learn humility. I wasn't always great with humility, but you know God's been so gracious to teach me uh, humility. And I'm still learning. There's so much to learn. But I discovered that one of the ways to help turn the heat down is to maintain the respect. To maintain the... And when you do that, you can get through tough times. And I love the fact that our God provides grace and respect through all the things we go through. What an amazing gift to give to those around us. Look at Isaiah. He knew this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In other words, I will support you. I will walk with you. Now, here's the thing that I don't like about this passage. Don't miss it. When you... <laughs> in the Hebrew, that means you're going to go through these times. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? Uh, we don't want that. Oh, I don't want to go. I, don't want, I do not want to go through the, the rivers. I don't want to walk through the fire and You know, I I don't want to pass through the waters. But the Word of God says, You will. There are going to be waters and rivers and flame. But here's what God says I'm going to be with you every step of the way. That's the kind of Lord we have. And that's who we need to be to one another. We can't stop the waters. We live in the Northwest, you cannot stop the (laughs) waters. Are you praying like I am right now? God, stop the waters, right? But God says, listen, even though the waters come, even though those rivers rise, I'll be with you. And and that's something, what an amazing gift to say to a human being. I can't stop this from happening, but you know what? Here's the deal. I'll be with you. I appreciate the fact when there are times when, you know, People in my life, there's nothing they can do about the things that I might be facing, but they have given me an amazing gift. Pastor, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to walk this journey with you. And, you know, sometimes that's everything. To know that someone's praying for you, there to walk with you. And that's our God. When we do that for one another, when we do that for our children... What an amazing gift we give to them and being full of grace and respect as we do it. In the next slide, we see that our Heavenly Father encourages us. We prevent wounding by affirming and appreciating. All those who want to be my disciples must come and follow me. And if they follow me, look, it says the Father will honor them. Should I pray, Father, save me from what lies ahead? But that is the very reason why I come. Father, bring glory to your name. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought it glory, and I will do it again. Now that passage could have applied to what we were talking about before, but applies here. Because I want you to see the words of encouragement of a father to his son. In other words, I don't want to have, I really don't want to go through this. We, we think of the Garden of Gethsemane. We think of all the kinds of things that have happened. But here's what his father said. The heavenly father said to Jesus, we can't stop this, but I'm with you every step of the way. I'm going to stand with you. I am going to encourage you. And in these words, we see affirmation, even appreciation. What an amazing gift to give to each other to affirm one another, to appreciate one another. What an amazing gift to give to your family and to your children, to work at affirming, you know, to walk in and think every day, how can I affirm those around me? You know one of the best ways you can affirm people around you? Say thank you. You know, something, I just, you know, it's like, you know, they, do something that maybe they just normally do, and it can be easily taken for granted, but to be able to appreciate and affirm the fact that, well, you, you did the laundry, thank you, or you, you made that meal, thank you. You went to work, thank you. Uh, you know, you're, you're working hard, uh, showing affirmation, appreciation to one another. Learning to do that is an amazing gift, to do that for your children, To find the positive and the good thing and to focus in on those things as opposed to just the negative. Why are we so good with the negative and we struggle so hard with the positive? Even the world we live in today, there's so much negative. I mean, you cannot listen to the news and all you hear is negative. I would like to hear an occasional positive. Can you say amen to that? That's why we we enjoy bringing the answers to prayers to see that, you know what, every week we know God is working in the lives of people. God is affirming us, appreciating us, and showing us that he is the kind of Heavenly Father that's there for us. And by that, he's saying this is who we are to be to one another. And I love this Next slide. Our Heavenly Father loves us lavishly. <laughs> now, I don't know if you can see that picture. I looked hard. That, it's a little bit dark here. That is the most lavish dessert. That is a chocolate sundae covered with gold. That sundae, if you were to go down and buy that, according to the uh, information I got, that's a fifteen hundred dollar Sunday. That is lavish. I thought I was actually thinking I wanted to build a lavish Sunday in front of you, and have you just kind of drool and think of you know look at this lavish Sunday. And that was as I started processing, it was going to be way too much work. So I just put a picture up. <laughs> because I didn't have that kind of gold to put on top of a, <laughs> of a chocolate sundae. But I wanted to get in your brain. God says, I'm going to lavish my love and give you the absolute, not only the best, but it's a large quantity. It's not just a little bit, but it's a lot. And I love the fact that there's quality and quantity. Can you sit into that? And the Word says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. To be able to say to our children, I will always love you. Even when you do all the wrong things, I will love you. I will be there for you. To be able to to lavishly pour on the love we have to one another, to tell each other, you know what? My love truly is, I'm learning to understand unconditional love. That doesn't mean there isn't consequences. Don't misunderstand that. But even in the midst of consequences, even though I may have to, I know one dad who was visiting his child in jail and said, you need to be here, but I love you so much. And we're going to get through this, because this is the consequence of your actions, but we will get through this. You know, God says, even at our worst moments, even when we go through some really terrible things, God says, I'm here with you. And he pours on this amazing amount of love. I feel that. I see that. What an amazing gift. You know, Jesus is a wounded healer himself. The word says in Peter, 1 Peter 2, by his wounds we have been healed. Jesus has been wounded, not just physically. But you think about all the things he faced in his humanity and who he was incarnate. Jesus was tempted by Satan. He knows about temptation. He experienced suffering. He knows what it means to suffer. He was rejected. He was mocked. And he was crucified. He fully understands our pain. And he wants to help. You know, when you invite Jesus in your life, he heals the wounds. He comes in a way that is gentle and loving, but I think is also surgical and powerful. Listen to this. The psalmist wrote, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. As a mother comforts her child, so I, the Lord, will comfort you. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Listen to what it says. This is Isaiah 49. Though she may forget. What a terrible thing. We can't imagine that. The Lord says, I will not forget you. want you know that you've been accepted you've been chosen you are loved you are God's creation you are forgiven you've been redeemed God says I will never leave you or forsake you God says I have given you eternal inheritance and nothing can separate you from the love of God Amen. Amen. you think about those words I chose them carefully. You've been accepted, chosen, loved. You're God's creation. You've been forgiven and redeemed. God's made a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. I have the gift of eternal life for you. I will be with you forever. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alfc.us or download our app.